Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. Thank you, as always, to our generous sponsors of this year's Parsha class, Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman. Our learning should be Le'ili Nishmas, David ben Menachem Mamish. This morning we have the privilege of studying Parsha's Lech Lecha together, and preparing this Parsha is difficult, choosing what to speak about, because there are so many stories. Avram Avinu is introduced on the scene. We see a radical change from Parshios that describe the failure of humanity, the disappointment, not meeting expectations, underachieving, in which Hashem has to revisit and do a hard reset on His world, to the story of Lech Lecha. Finally, somebody who meets Hashem's expectations, and through him, Hashem chooses to inspire the world. Avram is not the chosen, and we are not the chosen people, but Avram chose God, and we are the choosing people. We descend from Avram, and we make the choice to be involved in a relationship with him. We've shared several times before, but very quickly, just to give that overview, the Slanam Rebbe, the Nesiva Shalom, explains. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, three things remove a person from the world. Kinataiva and Kavod, that jealousy, lust, and honor remove a person from the world. Again, we've discussed it in the past, many interpretations of what it means to be removed from the world, but simply understood it means that we fail to meet the purpose of why we're here. We violate the very reason that God created the world if we're living self-centered lives consumed by our own pursuit of honor and pursuit of satisfying our lust and desires and filled with jealousy and envy. How did our rabbis know that those three things remove a person from the world, fail to fulfill the purpose of why we're here, forfeit our happiness and our joy? How did the rabbis know? They opened the Chumash and they looked at the stories. Cain and Hevel, story of jealousy, ends in murder, removed from this world. Kina and Taiva, pursuit of lust, is the story of the Dor HaMambo, the generation of the flood. God presses a hard reset on the world, removes them from the world. An honor, Nasa Lanu Shame, the Dora Flaga, the generation who built the tower, will make for ourselves a name. Honor. We'll have the most followers. We'll have the most social media presence and platform. We'll have the most friends. We'll have the most. And they are removed from the world. Hashem scatters them, their world implodes. So our rabbis just open the Chumash and they see the first three stories of creation are the pursuit of honor, lust, and jealousy. And those three people, those three generations were removed from the world. That's not why we're here. It's not what life is all about. And then the rabbis say, instead, there are three things the world is supported by. You want a world which has an equilibrium and a balance. You want a healthy world, a healthy... What it means the world is it means our world, our inner world, who we are, our sense of self-worth, our happiness. The Mesila Sashar and the Ramchal begins his monumental work of character growth by saying, What is a person's duty and obligation in Olamo? Translate the word. In his or her world. It doesn't say Ba'olam in the world. There isn't one generic world that we all live in. But Ba'olamo, we each are a world unto ourselves. We have different backgrounds, different talents, different skills, different liabilities, different challenges, and we have a different purpose in why we're here. We each live in our own world. We come from our own place and our own thinking. We have to respect and make room for everyone's worlds and for all those worlds to live in the same universe, but realize that we are separate worlds. And that's our mission is to identify why am I here? What is my duty, ba'ulamo, in my world? That's why the Mishnah Sanhedrin says, if you save one life, it's as if you saved what? The whole world, because each person is their own little world. So if we're alive, if our life, if our world is filled with the pursuit of jealousy, lust, and honor, then we have forfeited our world. Our world is dysfunctional. Our world is unhealthy. Our world is compromised. We are not fulfilling the reason that God put us in our world, in this world. But our world, instead, is based on three support pillars that hold it up, then we have a healthy, balanced, functional world. Then we can have interpersonal relationships with others, we can have a relationship with Hashem, we can find our own self-worth, and we can achieve why we're here. And what are those three things? Torah, avodah, and gemilas chasadim. Learning and living Torah, avodah means the service of Hashem, whether through karbanos and the Beis HaMikdash, whether through our own davening, or just being of service to Hashem. And gemilas chasadim, acts of kind deeds. How did Chazal, how did our rabbis know that? Says the Slalom Rebbe, it's simple. They just kept reading. They kept reading the Chumash. And they came across Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, who are the models of Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim. And Hashem says, You got it. The first three generations, they didn't get it. So they're out. 
you get it. Through you, I will be a model for the world. People don't understand or appreciate this, but the Medrash says that originally God intended on giving the Torah to the whole world. We were going to be one unified world religion, all having access equally to the sacred Torah HaKadoshah. But when man failed to live up to those expectations, God said, I'm not giving you my precious Torah. You're not invested. You don't understand what this world is all about. You're so self-centered and narcissistic. I can't give you my Torah. You don't get it. And then he meets Avram. And we meet Avram at 75 years old in the beginning of our parsha, which is in itself a fascinating discussion, not for now. Where was he? And where are the stories of those first 75 years? Why do we need the Medrash to fill us in? Why do we only, are we only introduced to him at that I was going to say advanced age, but at that young age. <laughs> Why are we only introduced to him at that very young age? Not for now. But what we know about Avram is that at three years old, he went outside and he said, something's off here. And this doesn't make sense. And he led a life where he was searching and pursuing and looking for Hashem, and he found him. And in that way, for us, he is a model of what our lives are meant, of what our lives are meant to be. And so Hashem says, you know... You get it. It's like the teacher in front of this class who everyone's misbehaving. No one's trying hard. The teacher is so frustrating. And then there's that one kid who sits right in front of the teacher and soaks it all up and behaves so well and writes it so copiously and is so well behaved. And the teacher says, you know, you're the honor society. Now, can anyone join the honor society? Absolutely, but what do you have to do? You have to earn it. You have to work hard and you have to meet the expectations. Anyone can have access, but the honor society, while it's a privilege, it's also a responsibility. The Jewish people are the honor society of the world, and anyone can join. The rest of the world, you've got seven rules, and they're fairly easy. If you violate them, you've got real problems. And we have 613, which translate into hundreds or thousands of rules, biblical and rabbinic, and anyone can join the honor society, anyone can convert. We have a system called conversion. But I can't be in the honor society just because I want to marry someone else in the honor society or because I think I'll get rich by being in the honor society or because I think I'll have fame by being in the honor society. I have to make the grades and I have to have the behavior. And the same is true with our honor society, the microcosm we are to the world. Anyone can join, you can convert, you could become what's called a Jew by choice, but you have to keep up the grades and you have to maintain the behavior. You can't just do it for some other gratification. It has to be sincere and it has to be lived. So that's the background of Sefer Bracious. And the background to the history of the world, summarized succinctly, is that the world failed Hashem, so Hashem said, I'm not sharing my Torah with you. And the one who distinguished himself as not failing the world, how was Avram different? It was a self-centered, egotistical world, only pursuing their own pleasure, and Avram is exactly the opposite. He didn't live in a gated community, no offense. His tent was open on all four sides. And he said, anyone who needs, come. I'm here to be of service. The third day after his bris, the most painful day, he still can't imagine not hosting guests, not being hospitable. The legacy he leaves us is being of service to others, which is in our parsha, ve'ye bracha. Be that blessing. Let people see you as a blessing in their lives. There are people in our lives who are a curse in our lives. They drain our energy. They make us miserable. They make us not feel good about ourselves. They bring out the worst in ourselves. They create dysfunction, tension, conflict. There are people who are a curse in our lives. And there are people who we say, what a bracha you are in my life. What a bracha. In fact, I try to use that expression. When I'm grateful to someone, someone's been extraordinary. I just recently wrote someone a thank you note. And I said that, I said, you have been, since I met you, such a source of blessing in my life. There are people who bring out the best in us, who raise us up, who are so kind and generous, who are of service to us, who are so positive and upbeat. Ve'ye bracha, Avram's mission and the legacy we inherit from him is to be the second, to be a blessing in other people's lives. That's Avram. Everyone else is a curse, stealing, robbing, pursuing lust, violating moral and ethical boundaries. And Avram is the exact opposite. He's not selfish, he's selfless. He's not... What are my rights and entitlements? He's, what are my duties and obligations? And Hashem says, huh, you, know, you got it. So through you and your children, you'll be a microcosm and a model for the world to emulate and follow. We live up to that often. And if you look at the world around us, which has been so heavily influenced by Jewish, they call it Judeo-Christian values, but that's not fair to Judeo, because where did Christian values come from? They're Jewish values. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of this country, so much of the world's attitude to charity and justice come from Avram Avinu, monotheism, as opposed to a paganism. It comes from Avram Avinu. 
we're enormously successful in influencing the world, and every time one of us appears in the headline of a newspaper, we set that mission back, way back. And if we're rude and discourteous and judgmental, and if we create a chil Hashem, we set that whole mission back. So that is a little, we haven't started yet, this doesn't come off my time. That's just the background <laughs> to Parshas Lech Lecha and to our story. I want to start, usually we give an overview, then we go through parts. If I give that overview, I'll never get back to what I want to talk about. So we're going to start with what I want to talk about, which is, I, the Imre Chaim, you all know by now that I love the vision of Tzareb, the Imre Chaim, I enjoy very much, and I'm very grateful to the person who's a blessing in my life, who gave me this Sefer, and every time he comes down to visit, brings me another. He's a blessing to me, and to you by that sharing of that Torah. So he brought me that Imre Chaim. I love this vision of Tzarebbe. So the vision of Tzarebbe, the Imre Chaim, usually has very disparate interpretations throughout the Parsha. Cute little Vortloch and Divrei Torah and Gematrias and acronyms. Always everything coming back to Shabbos. I've told you before, Shabbos is the centerpiece of the week and the centerpiece of a Jew's life. And in Hasidic Shethor, Shabbos is everything. We just, we're leading up to Shabbos. And we're still coming back down from Shabbos till we can go back up to Shabbos. And everything in between is just a buffer, but we really live and we're really alive when it comes to Shabbos. So this week, a little bit different. He doesn't, it's not his style to write an essay where he shows many things come together. But as I was looking through the Yom Rechaim, I saw that six or seven of his Divrei Torah all really represent the same theme. And I want to, through the Yom Rechaim, go through our parsha and see one theme that emerges from our parsha from this vision of Tzarebbe, and uh, then some other ideas that I want to share, and uh, hopefully we will we'll get to it. Okay, so, Lech Lecha. Avram Avinu is told at the beginning of the parsha that it's time to go. It's time to go. Where should he go? Was he given the, the address? Was he given the coordinates? Absolutely not. And why not? Okay, I'm going to go on my tangent that I just promised I wouldn't go already. Why wasn't he given those, those coordinates? Why wasn't he told where to go? Was that part of the test? If he could Google it and he'd know where it is and he sees, ah, it's three stars, it's four stars, it's not five stars, but I can live, I can survive. Okay, like you can know, you look, you're fine, I can live with that. Was that part of the test is that he couldn't see how many stars? Couldn't see what kind of Yelp rating the place had? He had to just trust? Was that part of the test? According to many, yes, part of the test was pack up and go, and I'm not telling you where yet, it's the land I will show you, and you need to take that leap of faith that I will show you a land that not only will you be happy, but as Rashi says, it'll be a blessing for you. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. It's for your success. That's part of it. Rabbi Soloveitchik has a different interpretation, which I love. And he says the following, El asher We're going to come back to the vision of Tzareb, I promise. El asher Rashi notes that Hashem didn't show the land to Avram immediately nor did he give him the coordinates. According to the Ramban, Avram actually went from nation to nation. He wandered the world until he came to the land of Canaan. And that's when Hashem said to him, oh, you did it. You got it. You made it here. This is the land. So, so much so that Avram did not have the coordinates or the destination and he couldn't plug it in that he had to actually feel it out. And he had to wander, says the Ramban, close, like, I don't know if he played with Hashem, like, hotter, colder, I don't know exactly how they did it, not sure exactly how they did it, but hot, 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 this is the land I'm going to give you, you got it, you're there, but says the Ramban, he had to actually so much so feel it out, and the Rav writes, the covenantal community should be equipped with a sixth sense, enabling it to spontaneously be attracted to the holy, Avram was tested to determine whether or not he possessed this capability, Hashem had implanted in the Jew a sensitivity to the Kedusha, we're supposed to react to Kedusha the way the eye reacts quickly and sharply to a beam of light. So, so beautiful. Says the Rav, not part of the test. It's not that Hashem tested him. Would you have the faith? Would you take the leap? Even though I'm not telling you where we're going. But Hashem was tested something else about Avram. And we are tested every day about ourselves. Which is, do we have a sixth sense? Do we have an instinct and an intuition towards Kedusha, towards holiness? Avram, here's a map. Let's see. Where do you go? Do you know where to go? Are you drawn towards Kedusha? Do you understand what's good for you, what nourishes and nurtures your soul? Are you attracted to that which is holy? And the Rav says, the way the eye reacts quickly and sharply to a beam of light. Light is in the physical, but Kedusha is in the metaphysical. Avram, you know how to operate, maneuver, and calibrate in the physical world, but can you operate and can you calibrate in the metaphysical world. 
Are you drawn to? Are you attracted to Kedusha? Do you intuit holiness? Do you intuit Kedusha? David Melech writes, As the deer longs for the brooks of water, my soul longs for you, Hashem. And he says, uh, like the deer longs for the brooks of water, my soul longs for you. Samalachanafshi. Samalachanafshi. Everyone know the Rebbe's tune for Samalachanafshi? Samalachanafshi, my soul longs for you. What does it mean, my soul longs for you? So he writes, like the migratory patterns of birds and fish, the deer is driven by an inexplicable instinct towards the brook. Such was the drive of Avram as he succeeded in finding Hashem in the Kedusha that was Kinnaan. Avram found Hashem first of all in the world. Everyone else found Saks Fifth Avenue. Everyone else found Fortnite. Everyone else found All You Can Eat Sushi Buffet. Everyone else found the baseball game or the stock market. Everyone else found the celebrity or the athlete. Everyone else found the politics and the power. And what did Avram find? What was he drawn to? Tashem. Tzama what am I thirsty for? Where is my insatiable appetite directed? It's not that I need more money, more power, more fame, more friends, but the insatiable appetite of Avram, Tzama was what? Nafshi, my soul longs for you, for you. So Hashem wanted to test that. And that's one of Avram's tests. Lech lecha, go. And I'm not telling you where. Not because nana and a kish kish, I'm not telling you where. Not because I'm torturing you. Not because I'm testing you, will you go. But I want to see whether you have that innate, innate quality, that capability. Are you drawn to Kedusha? And I want your children and offspring and progeny to know that that is their, that is their hallmark. The distinguishing mark of a Jew is being drawn to Kedusha, to holiness. As David Brooks once wrote, that we live for holiness, not happiness. The rest of the world lives for happiness, and they measure life by the happiness index. And we live not for happiness, we live for holiness. And we measure the quality of our lives and the success of our families not by its happiness, but by our holiness. And how does Hashem know whether Avram has that? He says, I'm telling you to go, let's see where you go. What do you choose? What are you drawn to? You know, it reminds me, and we just experienced this, on Yom Tovim, in Kedusha of Davening, at least in the art scroll sitter, I don't know what the muck or what the source of this is, in the middle, there's a little asterisk next to Ayei Mekom, and when the Chazan's repeating it, there's three choices on the bottom of what you could say. You know what I'm talking about? The art scroll machzer, there's three columns. What are the three columns of what you could daven for? Parnasa, health, children, children. And I always feel every davening of every yantif, every kedusha, when it's time to look down and which column you're going to choose, it feels like it's a test. It's a test. Which is most important? How do you define and measure your life, your success? Holiness or happiness? Now, I don't want to minimize. Somebody who doesn't know where they're going to put food on the table, table you can't have them for your children if you won't have bread to put in their mouths. So maybe Parnassa comes first, and I'm not judging. But I'm just saying, when you look at those sort of three options, and we look at the menu of life, and what are we drawn to in the menu of life, that was the test of Avram. And the Rav makes the comment again later, and the Pasuk says, in Perak Yudbeis, Pasuk, Zion, Ve'ira Hashem al-Avram v'yom Hashem appears to Avram and he says, I'm going to give your offspring this land. And Avram builds a Mizbeach there. To whom does he build the Mizbeach? To Lashem, God. And who was the God? Ha? Nir'ah, ha nir'eh, a love. The God who appeared to him. And those words, ha nir'eh, a love, seem entirely superfluous. Why does God have to be identified as the God appeared to him? What other God would Avram have built that Mizbeach to? Why not just then the Pasuk? Avram built the Mizbeach. To whom? Tashem. Why do you have to say specifically as if there are options? Lashem, which one? Hanira Elav. To the one who appeared to him. And here again, Rabbi Salavichik almost repeats verbatim the same comment. He says, the Pasuk he built there an altar would have sufficed. He built an altar because after searching assiduously for the promised land, Hashem confirmed Avram's choice by appearing to him. Avram knew his intuitive choice was correct and he built an altar to Hashem would appear to him and sanctioned his choice. The covenantal community is supposed to be equipped with a sixth sense, enabling it to be spontaneously attracted by the holy and to discriminate between the holy and the profane. Avram was tested to determine whether or not he possessed this capability. His whole destiny was dependent upon the outcome of these tests. Until now, apparently, Avram never encountered Hashem. Avram felt grateful and indebted to Hashem because he had searched him out, contacted him, and engaged him in a dialogue. The Ramban says that the instruction Lech Lecha was a command. 
But Avram at that point did not have the full experience of meeting Hashem, of experiencing a rendezvous with Him. It's now that God is described as Hanira Elav, who is now His companion. Finally, after living through the experience of loneliness, where sometimes it seemed as if God did not answer his prayers, Avram found Hashem, in whose name he had been speaking for such a long time, whose laws he had been teaching, whose morality he had been disseminating. So powerful. Sometimes we're living righteous religious lives. We're doing everything right. We're observing halacha. We're davening three times a day. We're learning the daf. We're giving the tzedakah. We're volunteering for the chesed. We're keeping kosher. We're doing it all right. And yet, it feels like we haven't had that rendezvous with Hashem, hanir e love that genuine, authentic, intimate experience of connecting with Hashem in a way where you have no doubt, not only that He exists, but that He cares about you. He's involved in your life. He loves you. And He's proud of you. And He has expectations of you. Avram had spent his career preaching God. And he meant it. He believed it. But he hadn't yet fully even experienced it in its full richness. And now that he did, and his intuition and inclination towards Kedusha was validated, that's when he builds that Mizbeach. And for some of us, it's a, it's a moment of joy or happiness. It's a great bracha in your life. It's being present at the birth of a child or a grandchild. For some, it's a natural wonder. You're in a national park. You see one of the natural wonders of the world. For someone else, it's a string of coincidences that are too random, and clearly they're orchestrated from above, and you're filled with bracha. For some, it's surviving something which was life-threatening or a danger or a health crisis. And in those moments, you feel so connected, so sure, so attached to Hashem. He's the Hashem Hanireh Elav. It is a validation of that, of, that draw, of that draw towards Kedusha. So actually, that insight of the Rav, so again, why did God not give the coordinates? Lech Lecha, just go. One understanding is it was part of the test, but the Rav says, no, it's because Hashem was trying to cultivate within Avram the instinct and the intuition towards Kedusha. And that's our mission, too, towards our children, to be drawn towards Kedusha. And I would say, by the way, the inverse is also equally important, which is to be repelled by profanity. Drawn towards Kedusha and to be repelled and repulsed by profanity. Repulsed by profanity. To see images or to hear things or to be exposed to ideas and to create that havdalah, to live a, to live a life of havdalah, ben kodesh l'chol, to have the capacity to be mavdil ben kodesh l'chol ben Yisrael la'amim. Not like the whole world that consumes anything that's put in its path, but to know what should I read and not read, what should I listen to and not listen to, what will bring out my holiness, and what, even if it brings out my happiness, is not really nourishing my holiness. To have that ability to what to be drawn to and what to be repulsed by is the mission of a Jew, and that was part of the test of Avram, of Lech Lecha. Can you figure out on your own where to go? And that really actually works nicely with the Vishnitzer, which I told you I really want to spend our time on. So now we're starting. The clock officially starts now. So the vision to the Imre Chaim says the following. Rashi says there, for your own good, for your own benefit, for your own pleasure. And where is he supposed to go? Note the Pasuk. He leaves Me'artzacha, and he's going where? El Ha'aretz Asher So there's two uses of the word Aretz, Eretz here. He's leaving Me'artzacha, that's the port of, what's it called? Embarkment? And then he has the port of destination. He's leaving from Me'artacha, and where is he going to? Haaretz Asher Eka. Says the Yemre Chaim, Lech Lecha Me'artacha Temaises Anyanem Hartziyim, V'zei Yeh La'anascha Ula Tovascha. It's a Chassidish Avort, and I've given you background to the Yemre Chaim. Maybe he believes it's Pshat, even if it's not Pshat, the Torah is the platform to create inspiration. So if that's what the words actually mean, or it's one of its many multiple layers of meaning, or if it's no way possible what it means, but nevertheless, it is for us a conduit to draw out the inspiration, here's what he says. Lech lecha, where do you need to transcend? Where are you going from? What are you trying to exit? Artzacha. What is Aretz? There are two parts of our lives, Eretz and Shemaim. We, just like the physical universe, we have the land and we have the heavens, we have within us the Artzacha where we're drawn to the ground, physical pleasure, physical desire, physical satisfaction, physical fulfillment. We can nourish our physical appetites. And then we also have Shemaim. We stretch and we yearn towards the heavens. I've also told you before, that's why the animal walks on all four and faces the earth. Because the lowly, superficial animal, his whole life is Aretz. 
It faces earth and it walks on all four and that's it. How much pleasure can I get out of the physical universe I'm in? And how does the human being walk? Upright. Reaching and extending where? Towards the heavens. We're yearning, we're reaching. That's why the Adam is Minha Adama, because fertile soil. We are called Adam because we are on a journey always of growth. And the Behema, says the Maral, gets its name, the etymology. Behema is Ba Ma. What you see is what you get. There is no growth, there's no aspiration, there's no overachieving. Behema is Ba Ma. It's it, it, what you see is what you get. That's it. And we are Adam. We are stretching, we are yearning. So Hashem turns to Avram, and again, see it now in the context and the framework that we began with. The rest of the world has been a failure. They're supposed to be reaching for the heavens, but they're acting like animals. They're acting like animals. We use that in our vernacular. We describe someone as acting like an animal. They're, they're walking on all fours. If not literally, then figuratively. They're facing the earth. All they care about is happiness, not holiness. You, Avram, you care about holiness? You're my man. I'm going to tap you and all of your children to be that microcosm, that model for the world. You are my man. And how do I reinforce that message to you? By telling you, what's your mission? Lech lecha. Get out. And what are you trying to get out from and transcend? Me'artzacha. The Eretz in you. The Eretz in you. And Moshe Weinberger loves to quote, I forgot which Rebbe. That's what we read at the very end of the Torah. Hazinu hashamayim va'adabera b'seshma ha'aretz imrefi. Hazinu hashamayim. If you can get the shamayim in you to listen, Hazinu hashamayim va'adabera. God has so much to say to the spiritual in us, to our soul, to the aspirational. Hazinu hashamayim va'adabera v'seshma ha'aretz. And then, if our Shemayim is on fire within us, it can harness and transform the Aretz in us. So Avram is told, says the vision of Tzarebbe, what is la'anascha What is for your own good? What is for your own benefit? To lechlecha, to get out and to transcend. From where? Me'artzecha. From a life that is defined by the pursuit of Aretz, of the physical, physical happiness, physical pleasure. If you think your happiness, if you think your meaning and your purpose is all about how much you can amass and how much you can accumulate and how much you can experience and how much pleasure you can have, then in fact, you violate, you failed in why you're here. Lech lecha, what's the test? Transcend the Aretz. And where are you supposed to go instead? Not to the Aretz that sees the physical as an end to itself, but where? El ha'aretz asher ar-eka. It's a different type of Aretz to the arts I'm going to show you. And here it says the vision of Tzarebbe. So gishmak. I love this. I'm going to show you how he says it in five, six, seven places in our parsha. You ready? So what he's saying is the following, and this is Hasidic doctrine. Again, we don't have time right now to compare different machshava, different philosophies of Judaism, of how we relate to and identify with the physical versus the spiritual. Some see that the physical actually is our enemy. And our mission is to transcend it and to abstain from it and to rise above it and to have no part of it, to be purely holy. But Hasidus doesn't see it that way. Hasidus sees that our mission is actually to take over the physical and to take the physical and make it spiritual, to find the spiritual within the physical, to co-opt it. That's our mission. That's why in Hasidic doctrine, the whole idea of the Shirayim of the Rebbe, this new Sefer I got just now in Eretz Yisrael, which is fantastic. I was just looking forward through it. Otsar Penine HaChasidus, according to Parshas HaShavua, has an essay many pages long about the doctrine of Shirayim. What is the doctrine of Shirayim? There's a whole essay in the back here that the Rebbe, the Rebbe, we go to our table, our Shabbos Yerontif table, we fress and we enjoy Maybe we have the minute of saying the covered Shabbat, the covered Shabbos Kaidish. Really, we mean the covered mind Baich. But the Rebbe, meanwhile, is immersed in holiness until it's time for his tish. And then his Hasidim, all at the end of their meal, the covered their Baich, come to his meal where they're going to see a model of somebody who's eating because we have to eat and we love to eat, but who's transforming the act of eating from the mundane and the profane to the holy. And because the Rebbe has certain kavanas and certain intent and engages that food, not because the food is an ends, but the food is a means, the Rebbe is able to endow and imbue within that food a sense of holiness. The, the food itself carries that transformation that was made by that holy tzaddik, the righteous individual. 
And now when you imbibe, everybody who gets a piece of it has, has been able to absorb and imbibe from that transformed food, which looks like ordinary food. It looks like aretz, but it's aretz asher areka. It's a different type of aretz. It's an altogether different type of physical. There's a physical where the physical is the ends, and there's a physical where the physical is a means. There's a physical where the physical is profane, mundane, and secular, and there's a physical where the physical is how I achieve holy. Hashem was telling Avram, leave the artzacha, leave that definition of physical where the physical is the ends, and go instead to a physical. He's not telling him transcend the physical, so the Hasidish, the Imre Chaim, the Vishnator. He's not saying rise above it. Take upon yourself fast. You don't need to eat. Eating is for the human. You're trying to be an angel. He's not telling him to divorce himself and lead a life of abstinence. He's saying leave Artzacha, the wrong definition of the physical, and go where? El Ha'aretz Asher Areka. To an altogether entirely different definition of the physical. Different interaction and relationship with the physical. And when you live that life, you're not actually compromising on your holiness, you're actually elevating, you're going even higher and higher. Lo lefrosh lagamre minyanim artziyim, says the Vishnitzer. Don't abstain entirely from the physical, that's not the goal, but rather co-opt it, transform it, elevate it, and you will become enriched. And then he says that in several different ways. Let's look. So for example, the Pasuk says, go to that land that I'm going to tell you, and you'll be a great bracha. Avram listened, then he went. And it says, Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz. Perak Yudbeis Pasuk Vav. It's on page 56 in the Ort Scroll, Stone Chumash. Vayetu lalachas Artsa Kanan, Vayavor Artsa Kanan. So Avram took his wife and Lot, took all their property, took all of his followers, the lives he's impacted. Vayetu, they left lalachas to go Artsa Kanan, Vayavor Artsa Kanan. So the Pasuk says, next Pasuk. Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz. Avram passed into the land. You know what his relationship is with the Aretz? He's passing the test. Hashem says, leave the Aretz. Get out of a world view where the physical is an end to itself and go to an entirely different attitude and relationship towards the physical, and now Avram sets out on that journey, and he succeeds. Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz. Vayavor means he passes over. It means he never fully immerses in the physical. See, if the physical is simply an instrument, it's a vehicle for you to attain something greater and holier and higher, then you're never fully immersed in it, you're never defined by it. So again, it's all chasidish vortlach. Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz means he passed over the aretz. He indulged, he engaged, he accumulated, he had. Avram is described as being enormously wealthy. Avram does not live a life of retreat. We're going to see, we're going to get to. Today is the yard side of Rav Meir Shapiro. The great founder of the Dafyomi, the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin. Anyone been to, to Lublin, to his Yeshiva, which after the war was taken over as a medical school, a Polish medical school, but it's been bought back. Now it's a hotel and the base medrash has been reconstituted. And in fact, January 1st, when the worldwide CMHS out of MetLife, part of it is going to come from a satellite connection from some Rashi Yeshiva who will be speaking from Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin in Lublin. I've been there many times. It's an amazing, amazing place. If you look at what's now a hotel, what was Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin, it was radically different than Yeshivas that existed until then. Because yeshivas that existed until then were places of poverty and indigence. They were places of simplicity. Mostly because they didn't have the money to offer more. But even philosophically, they didn't want to offer more. So the, the boys had to practice, what was it called, teg, where they would go to a, a host and, and eat at somebody's home. They slept on benches. They subsisted on the, minima, on, on, on the minimal amount. And came along with Mayor Shapiro and he said, if we want to elevate the image of the Ben Torah in the eyes of the world, then they can't look like a schlepper and a beggar and a poor nebuch. But they have to realize that the ben Torah, the person whose life is dedicated to learn Torah, is elevated. That's a person that we admire, look up to. 
So Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin, we don't have time for this now. I, I once, uh, in one of our previous series, we did a whole hour on the life and legacy of Rav Meir Shapiro, the Daf Yomi, Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin. You can listen to it on my website. But the change that he made is Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin offered three meals a day and had a magnificent cafetoria, a beautiful dormitory, a wonderful base medrash. And why? Because he reread the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos says, how are you supposed to learn Torah? Pas b'melech tochal, just eat bread and salt, and you, you sleep on the floor, and kachi darkashot Torah. And that is how you acquire Torah. Because if you promote the spiritual in you, and you suppress and minimize the physical in you, kachi darkashot Torah. Came along with Meir Shapiro, and he repunctuated the Mishnah. And he said, pas b'melech tochal? What, are you just going to eat with bread with salt? And you're just going to sleep on the floor? Kachi darkashot Torah? Is that the way of Torah? He totally repunctuated the very same Mishnah, and he developed not only a philosophy, but he crafted a base medrash, a dormitory, a cafetoria, a yeshiva, and he elevated the image of the Ben Torah. He elevated the whole ideal of the yeshiva and of learning Torah, as not for the Nebuch and the Oisvarf, as not for the poor and the beggar and the pathetic, but really as something so enormous. Among his great and underappreciated contributions, overshadowed by the Dafyomi, is that he changed the whole idea of what a yeshiva can and should look like. Because he repunctuated a Mishnah. Pas tochal? Kachi That's what Avram Avinu, Hashem says to him, Lech lecha So why did he do that? Was Rameer Shapiro creating like a spoiled Lublin, you know, spoiled rotten yeshiva guys from Lublin? You know what it was to get into yeshivas, Chachmei Lublin, by the way? You had to know 200 blot Gemara Baal Peh by heart just to get into the yeshiva. You can't imagine what it took to get into the yeshiva. We yet know people who learned in that yeshiva. We yet know people. When we ran our trip to Poland a few years ago, we had on our trip Dr. Michael Michel, my brother-in-law's father, who had a patient who was 101, I think, at the time, who had learned in Yeshiva's Chachmi Lublin, who told him where his makam is, and he went to go sit in it, and we learned the Dafyomi, and his seat that he had to run out of the yeshiva was chased out by the Nazis, he went back and took up that same seat. We opened the Gemara and continued where he left off. It was unbelievable. We yet know people who were in Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin. Unbelievable. Rav Meir Shapiro. Unbelievable. So when Rav Meir Shapiro developed this whole ideal of the Yeshiva, he wasn't indulging some spoiled people. What he was saying is that Torah doesn't mean that you have to suffer. It means that we take the idea of a comfortable dormitory and a nice cafeteria. Because if you sleep well and you eat well, you're going to learn well. You're going to learn even better. So the dormitory and the cafeteria were not instruments unto themselves. They were not ends to themselves. They were instruments to achieve more holiness. Lech lecha, where me'artzacha, and go to an entirely different attitude of aretz. El ha'aretz asher So vaya'avur avram ba'aretz. Now avram's interaction with this new definition of aretz, with the physical universe, is an interaction of vaya'avur. He passes through it. Means he engages it, he uses it, but he doesn't become defined by it. He's not in the words of the vision, sir. He's not shakua. He's not immersed in it. He's not marinating in it. He's not soaking it up. And then he says it again later. Pasuk says, Perakid Gimel Pasuk Vav. It's on page. Perakid Gimel Pasuk Vav, page 58. Now you have Avram and Lot, and they have their disagreement. The Gamal Lot, Lot also had accumulated amassed things. Aretz. But what happened? What went wrong? Avram and Lot are both wealthy. They were business partners. They both have cattle. They both have livestock. But they have an entirely different attitude towards Aretz. Lot is still living in the Artsacha. And Avram's gone to the Eretz Asher Areka. So the Pasuk says what in Pasuk Vav? It says the land could not support them dwelling together. Zok the Vishnitzer. What is Nasa Osam? He says, Nasa is Notrikon Echsof Noam Shabbos. Haartzios Bohaya Lot Shakua, Lohiniach Lo, Lashevis Yachtov. Lishbo Shabbos Kodesh Yacherim Avram Avinu, Velachushetz Lo Kisufe Noam Shabbos. Here we got to the Shabbos. What is Shabbos if not the greatest expression and fulfillment of a new attitude towards Aretz? You come to the Shabbos table, and what do you eat at the Shabbos table? Paschal Melach Tochal? I dare you to set a Shabbos table where you serve bread and water. That's a Shabbos table? That's a prison sentence. It's not a Shabbos table. Shabbos, we indulge in delicacies. 
and we have beautiful china and crystal and silver, and we serve our finest wine and our most delicious foods, our tricolored gefilte fish, <laughs> 17 side dishes. Why? Because El Haaretz Asher Eka. If someone would take a snapshot of that Shabbos table, they might say, wow, look at this group of fresser, indulgent, physical. But if we take a snapshot of it, what we see is something entirely different. That the food and the drink is the platform to host guests and to share Divrei Torah and to sing Zmiros and to walk away absolutely transformed. We leave the arts, Artsacha, El Ha'arts Asher Eka, Velon Asosam Ha'arts Lasheves Yachtav, but the Aretz couldn't allow them to live together because even though they had the same physical things, they had two different relationships with it. And therefore Avram and Lot and the two philosophies towards Aretz could not coexist. And they had to go separate ways. And where did that manifest itself, that tension, that conflict? Shabbos. Shabbos. The Jew who lives Shabbos to reach for something higher versus the Jew who lives Shabbos to indulge in the physical, they're experiencing two different Shabboses. It's two entirely different Shabboses. Is the physical there, the Kavit Shabbos Kodesh, to be uplifted and transformed and to reach for the stars and to be disconnected from this world where Shabbos is a place to fresh and sleep and indulge? Both doing the same things, but in two different, two totally different ways. So that's what he says, that the word lo nasa usam, nasa is echsof noam Shabbos. It's an acronym for Echsof Noam Shabbos. This past, Friday, this past Motzei Shabbos, I was in Eretz Yisrael, I went for my grandson's pigeon Ben for a very short trip again. And I had heard, I'd never been to, but there's a great tzaddik in Yerushalayim, Rav Tzimayr Zilberberg. He's a grandson of Rav Shor, and he's an incredible tzaddik. He hosts the Shalashudas, which is famous. And I'd never been, so my son-in-law and I went, just to give you a sense. Shabbos was over 534 in Yerushalayim, and we left to go to his Shalashudas at, I think, 7 o'clock. And when we left at 8.30, it was still going on. When we get, it's pitch black pitch black, singing and he gives like a two hour divart. you think Shabbos Shuvah is long it's every Shabbos Shuvah <laughs> people come from all over Yerushalayim some on Shabbos and you can easily go what is for you Motzei Shabbos and in the pitch black because you know you have the food and you're experiencing it but when the lights are off you're experiencing the it's not about how many colors can you see in the gefilte fish it's about is it lifting you up El I, I was so blown away and inspired by being in that room and lost in that song. And I probably shouldn't admit this on tape, but I'm going to doubt it would get back to anyone who knows him. Because it was Ois Shabbos on my phone, I recorded. It's pitch black, so you can't see a thing. But these mirrors, I want to continue to be able to listen to them and to be transformed by them and to still be with that Hevra who were there in that room. It's something so, so special. There are people who can't wait for Shabbos to end. There are people who can't wait for the week to begin, and there are people who can't stand the thought of Shabbos ending. What kind of Jew are you? The one who can't wait for the week to end? Rabbi, I can't tell you how often. Can we change the BRS policy? Let's daven Marav five minutes before Havdalah. So we end Marav at Havdalah, and I can quickly be done. Can't wait for Shabbos to end, for the week to begin. It's something really, really amazing. So Avram and Lot, it's through Shabbos that you see those different attitudes towards Aretz. And the Aretz could no longer tolerate the two of them, the two different attitudes, philosophies towards Aretz. They couldn't coexist. They couldn't be together. So what happens? Avram tells Lot, we got to go two different ways. Parak Yud Gimel Pasuk test. And he says, Separate now from me. Separate. We spoke about this on Shemini Atzeres. What does Hashem say on the eighth day of Yantif? He says, Kasha Eli, I can't stand the thought of. Pray Daschem which classically is, I can't stand the thought that you're leaving me. And we asked, but we didn't leave God. The day after, Isrichag, we also daven three times that day. And we also sat in the base Medrash and learned. We didn't go anywhere. So what does it mean God said, I can't stand the thought of you living? And we quoted, not the Imre Emes, but the Imre, what did we quote? The uh, Ger Rebbe. The Imre Emes, not the Imre Chaim. So the Ger Rebbe said, Kashe Elai Preidaschem means, it's hard for me to see you go back to Preidaschem that you're going to be so divided among yourselves. You're going to go, we just had such a beautiful yantif and we were so united and no one cared what yarmulke anyone wore, how they were dressed, left, right, center. It's so hard for me to think that you're going to go back to your pirud. Where do you see that word pirud? Right here. Where did he get that pshati imre emes? 
Kasha Eli pray daschem. It's so hard for me to see you divided. Because what does Avram say? He pared na me alai. Sometimes you have to be divided. And he tells Lot, let's separate. And what does he tell him? I don't care which direction. You go left, I go right. You go right, I'll go left. You get first call. You take first shot. You can choose where you want to go and I'll go the other place. But we can no longer coexist together. We just have two different philosophies towards life, towards Aretz, towards this world. Says the Imrechaim, says the Vishnitzer. Amla Avram Lelot, Haloani Roesh, Misava Atala Ashirus. I see that you have an attitude of Aretz that all you want is wealth. All you care about are things. And how does Avram know that about Lot? What was the Makkah Patish? What was the final hammer bow that put it over the top that Avram says to Lot, get out of here, you're expelled, we can't do this anymore. What did he see Lot do? He saw Lot cut corners in ethics and business. It wasn't that Lot didn't chuckle hard enough. It wasn't that he didn't dive with enough kavana. It wasn't that his brim wasn't big enough. It wasn't that his bekesha wasn't shiny enough. What was it that Avram couldn't tolerate? Dishonesty. Lot lets his animals graze on the property of others and he sees, you know what, if you have no boundaries, if you have no respect for, for law, for ownership, then I, we can't do this anymore. So he says, and, and why does a person steal? We spoke about this last week's parsha, no? Yes. That when you steal, it's a, you're, you're rebelling not only against other people, but you're rebelling against Hashem. So why do you steal? Because you want wealth, and you don't think Hashem is going to give it to you. So Avram says to Lot, I see, I see all you care about are things and wealth. Your attitude towards Aretz is that Aretz is an end unto itself, not a means. If you want to go to the left, where's that? That's Ashirus. Then Ani, Esher, because of Abishali. I'll go to the right. Meaning, Eschazek, Betor Akadosha, Shemitzad Yamin. Where did the vision of the Rebbe get the idea that wealth is to the left and, and, uh, and Torah and righteousness is to the right? Where did he get that from? So he got this from a Gemara. The Gemara says, Harutza Shayachim Yadrim. Yatsbin, Harutza Lahasha Yatsbin. If you want to Yachim, if you want to become wise, turn to the south. And if you want to become, um, if you want to become rich, turn, to, turn towards the north. Our Torah volume that our base Medrash, Dr. Yitzchak Balazan base Medrash produces, the name of our Torah journal is called Yadrim. Volume 3 is coming out Hanukkah in Mirz Hashem. Why is it called Yadrim? Each of the first two volumes, I wrote an introduction, and each one offered a different explanation of what Yadrim, what that Gemara means. Yadrim means turn towards the south. So some say, I think it's the Aruch, one of the Rishonim, that the Chachamim Shebedarim, we had it recently in the Daf, that the wise people who live in the south, in Eretz Yisrael, the Chachamim lived in the south. So if you want to become wise, turn towards the south. Now you understand why we called our Torah journal Yadrim. Yeah. Turn towards the south. You get it? We, we were very entertained by it, but apparently none of you are. We called it Yadrim. If you want to become smart, turn towards the south. South Florida, Boca Raton, Yadrim. Yadrim. That's why you call it Yadrim. So what does it mean? Yadrim, Yachkim, Yatspin. Turn towards the south, turn towards the north. It's connected to the base of Mikdash and how the Kalim were arranged in the Beis HaMikdash. Again, you could read those two introductions. But he connects it here to say, if you understand where Avram and Lot were and what direction they were facing, then you understand that what he was telling him is, if you want to go to the left, the left is north. And north is where you go to be wealthy. I'll go to the right, which is south, which is where you go to become wise. You care so much about wealth, then go in the direction of wealth. And I'll go in the direction of wisdom. And if you want to go in that other direction, I'll still pursue wisdom. He says, as it says, that if you have Torah, really you have wealth. So this also feeds into the same theme that the Imre Chaim, he doesn't connect, but we're connecting. It's the theme that runs throughout his commentary here is two different attitudes towards the physical material world. Is it an ends? Is it a means? And you saw that that's the mission Avram is test, Hashem is testing Avram with. Avram fulfills it via Avor. He only passes through the material and physical. Lot still has the old philosophy that it's an ends, and therefore they have to separate and go two different directions. One last expression of it. Parsha tells us the story of Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem. Malki Tzedek is the king of Shalem. Where is Shalem? Yerushalayim. He's the king of Yerushalayim. Was his name Malki Tzedek? The words Malki Tzedek mean president or prime minister. They were the generic title, they weren't his name. He was Malki Tzedek. And we have the story of the War of the Kings and Malki Tzedek and this interaction between Avram and Malki Tzedek. Perak Yudalad, 
Pasuk Yud Ches. Perikidalat Pasuk Yud Ches. Avram Shon's honor. Malkitzedek Melach Shalim Hotzi Lechem Beyayin Vuhukoyin Lekel Alyon. Malkitzedek is the king of Yerushalayim. He takes out bread and wine and he is the high priest, the priest of God, the Most High. And he gives him a blessing and he says, Baruch Avram Lekel Alyon Kone Shemayim Varetz Ubaruch Kel Alyon Asher Migain Tzarecha Biyadecha Vitein Lamaisa Mikol and the Medrash is critical. Who did he bless first? And then, and I think two years ago, you can listen to it online, we spoke about, there's actually a machlokas aposkim and a debate in halachic literature about the proper way to make a l'chaim. Do you first say l'chaim and then, make, and then you make a bracha? Or do you make a bracha, take a sip, and then you offer a l'chaim? And they derive it all from this interaction of Malki Tzedek who takes out lechem v'yayin, and first he says, Baruch, Avram, and then Baruch Kelayon. So maybe you say, L'chaim, Yishah, and so on and so forth, and then you make the Baruch or the Shahako, then you drink. Or do you first make the Bracha and drink, and then you offer the L'chaim. You could listen, we went through the different halachic literature about it. But not for now. So, says the Vishnitzer, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? Avram, Avinu, Allah, Vashalom, Darko, Bakodesh, Haisa, Lavarus, Hashem, Baruch, Av, Ben, Yanam, Gashmim. Avram's whole philosophy, worldview, and personal practice is to serve Hashem not only in the spiritual, but to serve Hashem how and where? Through the physical. Eating and drinking. Who is Malki Tzedek? Noach's son, shame. He, as a priest, operates only in the realm of serving Hashem in the spiritual. He doesn't know about Shirayim. He doesn't know that you can enjoy a Gishmak Lachayim. He never heard about try colored gefilte fish and the covered Shabbos Kodesh. He never heard of that. He thought, how do you become holy? Vows of abstinence and vows of silence and fasting. He served Hashem only with the spiritual. And only when he meets Avram Avinu does he see, wow, kishmak. He thought, Artsacha. And he's so repulsed by Artsacha, he thinks the only way to become holy is by divorcing from Artsacha and comes along Avram and he introduces him to a different form, a different view. Engaging the world but transforming it, elevating, become elevated ourselves through it. And that's what he says. Now reread this Pasuk. The king of Shalem. Hotzi. That bread and wine can also be used for religious growth. It's like Chasid He extracted, he learned from Avram what? That Lechem Viyayin, who Kohen Lekelayon. Isn't that beautiful? Amazing. So again, you see, and I've literally only shared with you some, that the Vishnetzar is this theme through the parasha. What was Avram's test? Leave Artsacha where the material is an ends, and La'artasha where the material is a means. By Avor Avram, he, he did, he passed through it. He didn't become immersed or defined by it. Where does it come to a head? He unloaded different attitudes on this. He parigna, they have to separate. How do they separate? He says, you go to the physical. I'm going towards the spiritual. He meets Malki Tzedek. Malki Tzedek had previously thought the only way to become holy is by abstaining, but he learned from Ava Hotzi. He learned that Lechem V'yayin is also Kohen Mikhail Yon, that you could also connect to God religiously even through, the, even through the physical. So, so, so beautiful. I want to share one other thought with you. I had 400 other thoughts I was going to share with you, but I only have time for one other thought to share with you. And I have to because it's his Yerzeit, of Meir Shapiro. Such a beautiful shot of Rav Meir Shapiro. Says Rav Meir Shapiro the following: Perak Tezvav, Pasuk Hey. Perak Tezvav, Pasuk Hey. Hashem takes Avram outside. Vayotzo also achutz vayomer habedna shemaim u'svor akochav mtuchal esporosam vayomer lo koi yezarecha. We all know Hashem takes Avram outside. He says, "Look up at the heavens. Take a look. Give a kick at the stars. Can you count them? Koi yezarecha. Thus shall be your children." What does it mean, ko So will be your children. First of all, how many are we? We should be at this point hundreds of millions, but thanks to anti-Semitism, which was also 
prophesized by our great prophets, we have remained few in number. So where is the fulfillment of that bracha? We are a pathetic few and sadly, tragically disappearing, not growing. So where's the ko'i yezarecha if it's a bracha of being, of being so many, of being so many? So the Baal Shem Tov says, it doesn't mean that you're going to be as many as the stars. It means you're going to have the quality of the stars. And the Baal Shem Tov says, you know what the quality of the stars are? That from here, they look tiny. But if you were right next to the star, you'd see how big it is. And he says, that's the Jewish people, that we look like we're tiny, but if you understand our impact, we're really great. It's not that we'll be like the stars in number, meaning the number of stars will be like the stars in number, meaning a star looks small, but don't underestimate that star. It has a great impact. That's the Baal Shem Tov's pshat. That's what the Azai Zak the Baal Shem. Azai Zak the Baal Shem. But Rav Meir Shapiro has a different pshat. Rav Meir Shapiro on his yurt site has a different pshat. And I love this pshat. When Hashem told Avram to go outside and count the stars, what should he have said? What are you, crazy? Do you know how many stars there are? What's the point of even starting? It's impossible. Why bother starting an impossible task? It's a waste of time. What did Avram do? He went outside and he went one, two, three, five, ten, a hundred. Ramesh Piro says, Ko yezar echa, so will be your children means your children will also take on the impossible and make it possible. Your children will inherit that quality of you that they will face the impossible and they won't give up hope and they won't not even bother trying. They will make the impossible possible. Ko yezar echa. So will be your children. And that ko, we've seen that all over. I've shared this with you in Parshas Naso. Ko sevarchu is b'nei Yisrael. The bracha we give is ko. But v'ani v'anar necha ad ko. Avram and, and uh, Yitzchak walk where ad ko. You see, chafhei, that word ko, whenever it appears, come back to this promise of ko yezar echa. This will what your children will be. And that's, that's not Rav Meir Shapiro. You start out the daf the first day, 2,711 pages, seven and a half years, and you say, ah, it's impossible. Every single day, ko yezar echa. You can follow. It's not true. Ko yezar echa. That's the pshat of Rav Meir Shapiro. And lastly, lastly, I'll just share with you, based on this, Rav Shechter is the following. There's a very old minig recorded in Shulchan Arach that when a marriage takes place, where should the chuppah be? Ideally, preferably, outside, under the stars. Because the Kodesh told Avram, look at the stars and count them. It's impossible, so to your sentence will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we want to invoke that bracha of the stars in the sky, and that's the origin of this minig. Now some commentaries in the Shulchan Aruch assume the minig existed already in the days of the Talmud Yerushalmi. That's how far back it goes. Tosfos quotes the Yerushalmi. Tosfos is in Yuma, Dafyad Gimel and Beis distinguishes between the chuppah of getting married for the first time as opposed to an amana, that only uh, standing under the chuppah only constitutes nesuin for a first marriage, but not in the case of an amana, fine. Rebchaim Velazhner argues it makes no sense whatsoever. Why should we distinguish between a first marriage and a second marriage? So some of the contemporaries of Rebchaim Velazhner explain that the idea behind distinction in the Yerushalmi is not so much the first marriage or the second marriage, but rather what a young woman gets marriage outside, the chuppah, have four poles constructed in the shape of a tzuras pesach. It's a separate room when it's in the open. The case of an almano is beyond the childbearing age who gets married inside because we're not interested in invoking ko yezar echa because she's past the age of childbearing. She doesn't need the bracha of ko yezar echa. Fine. But if Shechter continues, when Hashem told Adam to gaze up at the stars and count them, Toto tells us he was inside his tent and Hashem took us where? Outside to look up at the stars. So Rashi Echomis quotes the Medrash, the idea behind taking him outside was to demonstrate that we're not part of the natural order of the world. Sari Imenu was an Akara, and the Gemara tells us, Avram, that they were both barren. According to the rules of nature, they should not have been able to have children. According to the rules of nature, absolutely they should not have been able to have children. When the Gemara says, Ein Mazal Yisrael, it means we don't operate in the natural order. We're not limited by the natural boundaries of everyone else. We believe nothing is beyond Hashem. He can change and transform the universe. And so where do we go to tap into that? Hashem told Avram, go out of your house. The Jewish people don't blend in with nature. Go outside and look up and realize you're not horoscopes and constellations and we're not Ein Mazel Yisrael. So the old men are having the chuppah under the stars for a young married woman getting married is not really fulfilled if you stand inside a building that's opened up to the ceiling, Rav Shechter says. That's his personal view. They have certain Hamisha hotels that have a retractable roofs so the chuppah can be under it. He says the whole idea is walking outside, going mechutz la mazel, going outside the natural order and outside of the normal attitude and getting outside, of getting outside of it. Mechutz la teva. 
And to say that I stand under the stars, I'm only on Ein Mazli Yisrael, Hashem and Hashem alone is the one. So maybe what we're telling the Chassam when we say go outside is, don't give up easily. Make the impossible possible. Ko the promise to our great Zayda Avram was, nothing's impossible. And go outside and like he did, walk in his ways, emulate his behavior, and then we'll have the strength to be able to turn the impossible into possible. There's a lot more to talk about. We are out of time.